Hello out there, Foxes fans, and welcome back to another edition of the U.S. Foxes podcast. Coming to you guys live, as always, from various parts all over the United States. As always, I'm your host, Matt Folks, in San Diego, California, joined by my three amazingly handsome co-hosts in various parts of the country. We got Mr. Chris Warner up in Del Mar, San Diego. What's up, my man? How you doing, Matt? How you doing, boys? Nice to see you again. Apologies for last week. Um, kudos to you managing to go an hour and 10 minutes about another loss. But it's nice. It's great to be back and to talk about a weekend, mate, where we didn't lose. I mean, it's lose. that point in the season. We didn't lose. We can talk positive. I can be optimistic. Dude, I can't wait. I We, we, we tried our best to um, put out your, you know, yeah, I, kudos to Jim, especially. Vibes. Jim, Jim delivered on the optimism. Fair play to you, mate. <laughs> Mr. Jim Harris, uh, the Texas Foxes down in Houston. What's up, bro? I'm doing well. Um, being called an optimist was um, surprised me, so I'm kind of somewhat speechless right now. But great to see you all, and um, excited to talk about a pod, uh, to talk about a result where we didn't lose. So if we talk for an hour and ten minutes when we lose. Good luck, everybody. Have you got no plans tomorrow? It's been a uh, it's been a while since we've had some a point to talk about, Jason. Uh, Mr. Jason Becker of the New York Foxes. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. I don't know how um, pumped up I am just about a point, but I will say um, seeing Chris this week has really lifted my spirits. And uh, man, you could, um, if you listened last week, Chris, you can tell I was missing you. I needed you, man. I, I was down. And uh, so I'm already feeling like a million bucks. Your positivity just radiates through us, Chris. You're a beacon for the three of us. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> Firstly, before we start, I have to say a couple of things from a podcast two weeks ago. Um, I had one of our great friends, Eddie, that we've met the, from LA. He reached out Shout to out me on that podcast and he was like, dude, are you okay? I listened to that hour and you were just so sad. And I was like, yes, mate, Lester will do that to me when we're fighting in the relegation zone. But um, shout out to Eddie for reaching out in that two weeks and checking in on me. But I can say optimistic Chris is back. We're not getting relegated. We'll have a decent season. We'll finish above Forest and we'll look forward to the new year. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, shout out to Eddie. What a legend. He's uh he's just an LA Fox up there that makes it out to every event. He's just a great guy. Jumped out of a plane a couple weeks ago too. So shout out to that guy. We uh we love you, Eddie. Um, Eddie the Eagle jumping out of planes. Love Eddie the it. Eagle, yes, correct. Oh uh, man. Well, yeah, guys, let's uh like we said, so happy you're back, Chris. And uh thank you for running stuff from behind the scenes last week and making the show actually work. But we are glad to have your voice joining us this week when we will be talking about, yeah, like we said, guys, not a loss. Uh one-to-one draw in London against Brentford, kind of a, a match that was all over the place and and started off right away with we knew it was going to be different with a big thing that we've been waiting and questioning when it might happen. When was it going to happen? Mr. Daniel Everson gets the start ahead of Danny Ward, the much maligned Danny Ward. Uh, Brendan is quoted as saying Danny knows that uh, he's disappointed, obviously, but 
he said something that Iverson's gotten more work or I don't know. He definitely was just trying to be nice about it, but said Danny's at a spot where he doesn't want to be and he's not happy with his performance. So um, I guess Jim, we'll start with you. Uh, your thoughts when we saw uh, the new Dane uh, in, in net for uh, the Foxes. Um, I think we'd seen it coming and I was pretty excited actually. Um, definitely looking forward to seeing him playing another few games and getting a run. So that's good to hear that Rogers is actually committed to that and publicly sort of talked about it on Thursday, talked that he was coming in and then talked about it post game. I think it sounds like Danny Ward is also kind of supportive of it too. And I, I think he showed that he gave us some, a lot more sort of presence. He didn't have loads to do. But when he called upon, especially from a lot of the crosses that were coming in and he got, he grew into the game in the second half, I think a, a lot more as well. It looked like he was, I also enjoyed the dynamic of their all Danish midfield. Cause you could see I, a few times I saw Everson yelling shit at them. And I, I was like, he's gotta be talking shit to those guys. It's, that's, that's gotta be pretty cool. Uh, Jason, your thoughts when you saw number 31 uh getting the call up i mean it's a it's a great thing we've known the guy has got skill forever i mean he was the top team top keeper in the, in the championship last season we know the dude's got skill your thoughts when you saw him in there yeah i think um like many leicester fans i've, I've been waiting for everson for a while now he just like you can tell he's a he's a big boy he's a good shot stopper uh if you just look at the last what three four years um, you know, before this season, he's played a ton more uh, games than than um, than Ward. I mean, he he has played regular first team senior football sure. for a few years now, and Danny Ward hasn't. Um, you know, I I think uh, Ward was a you know a good number two for us. You know, made had had a few good cup games backing up for Schmeichel and kind of filling in when needed. But I think it's been pretty clear that that we need a change back there, especially when we're not very sure of um, what our back line is going to look like from from week to week. And so I, I was happy to see the move. But you know, it's see, I think this is a, a sign of the pressure that's on Rogers. And now, like he's, uh, we've left it so late in the season that it's time to start. Uh, rolling the dice a bit and trying to really shake things up and see what whatever we can do to get a couple of results. I mean, when Schmeichel was still with the club, Rogers um, couldn't stop talking about Danny Ward and describing him as a, as a second number one instead of the number two keeper. And now he's, you know, pretty much completely, I don't know if that was a way to just keep Ward motivated, but he's really completely changed his tune now and called him a just called him. He's been a very loyal number two for a while. So um, yeah, I can see that the um, it seems like the pressure is on. But but um, kudos to to Everson. He um, didn't really seem to let that get to him. He knows how to play in high pressure situations, and um, he didn't have a ton to do. But sometimes that's also um, a keeper deserves a bit of credit for that as well. Like when they don't have much to do, it shows that. Um, that he's doing his part to uh, keep that back line organized. And he had a lot of work to do considering um, he has got a center back pairing that does not have much time together. 
it did it did seem like he just stepped right in and it, it there was no um you know moments where i was like ah shit you know they they're, they're all lost back there it did it looked like the guy was comfortable and you know say what you will about danny and and all that went on you know he's he's done some amazing things for us when when we talk about fa cup runs and 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 saves and penalty saves and things he's done but i got part of me he's got to think chris that uh danny is is just kind of a obviously disappointed but it's got to be a sigh of relief when he's just like fucking finally i get the world off of my back because it's been pretty rough on me yeah i yeah i don't think you can any of us in this can kind of put ourselves in his position i mean because yeah his first thoughts are going to be disappointment but maybe it gives him an opportunity to step back be solid in training and then look forward because come the summer there's going to be a whole new competition for who's going to be behind the net obviously it's going to be a position that i think we're going to look to strengthen in the summer as well there were some goalkeepers the brentford one for example he's out of contract end of the summer he's the sort of guy that i think would be interested in we can throw some money at him um I thought Everson was solid, as the boy said. Um, I think one of the things that Rogers kind of talked about was Everson's reluctance. Everson with his distribution, but I thought that was solid. He knew when to get it out. He always looked for, yeah, okay, Jim shaking his head there. But I thought personally, I thought that he didn't do anything that put us deep in the mile and he didn't do anything that kind of wasn't to be expected in that situation. So, Overall, I think solid performance, mate. And I think time will tell whether this was the right decision. I think time will tell whether this was a decision that had to be made. It seems like, to Jason's point, this is kind of a roll of the dice at the very end. And hopefully Rogers has got this one bang on because otherwise it might be a time just a little bit too late. Well, we Jim, did you want to say more on that? I did, sorry. Um, I, I think Rogers... Rogers yeah, Jason made a great point about sort of minutes played between the two of them. And Rogers actually called that out as well and said, you know, if you look at Everson's career, he's played more minutes as a starting goalkeeper than Danny Ward has. And I think that tells, that tells the tale. He also kind of said, you know, that I didn't quite feel as comfortable with it because we, you know, we, for those of you that maybe saw the athletic article, you know, Danny Ward's the 17th ranked goalkeeper and, the Premier League, and he said something about, well, like he had a run of 26 games, and but I wanted to give him a good run, and I kind of felt like saying, well, not on my dime, mate. You know, you know, practice that stuff in your own time. A lot of us can see that it clearly wasn't working, and that the confidence eroding. Um, so, you know, there are some goalkeepers that are number twos, and it's it's evident that I think he is a number two. Even we saw for Wales, you know, that he's, he did start World Cup games, but we've seen in the past that you know, Hennessy has jumped up above him as well, and, and Hennessy's quite deep into his career. Um, so that that's kind of my Danny Ward thing. On the comment about Everson, I did think he was quite ropey at the start. He kicked it into touch a few times, but he was very tentative. He did get a little bit better, but I think, Chris, you're spot on. I took I put in my notes, like, we if Raya is available we need a goalkeeper like that if we're going to continue if rogers if we stay up and rogers stays we need a goalkeeper who has is as good with his feet as he is you know with his hands and, and commanding the box and i know that's a rare thing but someone like Araya or um, sanchez for brighton as well has shown that difference it's interesting when you look at actually one of the worst goalkeepers in the league 
from Saves perspective is Edison, but look what he brings to Man City overall. And if we're going to be this Man City light, we need to have a, a basically a goalkeeper who can play as a third centre back and step in and distribute the ball out and have a variety of passes. And I don't think the two keepers that we have on the books as are starting to fill that fill that up. And yeah, it's probably something. Let's get through this season, and then we can figure out who the goalkeeper might be. Yeah, and it might have been a bit arrogant too for us to just. It would have been too easy, right? Like to to replace a, a keeper that we've had for as long as Casper was there. I mean, since he came from Leeds, basically, it, it, and and then to just be like, well, the first one we pop in there is going to be fine. That would have been a bit uh, too easy for us, I do believe. So, very excited to see what uh, the young man can do. He looks confident. He looks poised. I think is the word that I kept seeing. Like to myself was he just he just looks like the role and you know when you listen to to where he was on loan last season they they do nothing but sing his praises so i'm 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 excited for that um everson uh obviously not the only start we see and not really the only sign of brendan wanting to switch things up we 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 do see us go back to fourth the back with no two up top this time changing formation as we get to see harvey and tete back on the wings um I we'll go to you now, Chris. When when you see the uh, formation change, you think because last week it was very obvious. I think Jason, you were the one that said it, it was just like Tete and Harvey. They weren't getting shit done, so we needed to go to this too. We see a switch back this week, Chris. Um, your thoughts on the formation switch? I I think he got it right. I think especially I think he he set up the game quite well. I think if you look at, I think we just to me kind of the two words that come to my head after watching that performance, I thought we were a little bit more organized. I think we had a little bit more balance in the center of the park, especially. Um, I thought there was there were times in the Chelsea game where it seemed like we were all just bunched together. And you can, and it's so daft, but if you look at the heat map for that game and the average player position, it felt like it's something like an under-11s game where everybody was just condensed into the central position. So I thought we were a little bit more balanced. I thought we had to make the changes, obviously, because of the fact that we didn't have... we Faust was out because of the red card. But um, I thought overall he made the right decisions. It was interesting that Docker started. Um, I thought he was... I mean, we might go on to this. I thought he was... I personally thought he didn't play very well. I think he dropped too deep. I think he kept looking for the ball. He was getting in Madison's way at times when I think his strength is going to be to play behind. But you can't do that if you're consistently dropping backwards. And I think that's something to do with both confidence and maybe just the fact that he feels like he's got to try and make an impression to stay in this side because we haven't given him a long enough run recently to do that. So, But overall, Matt, I thought it was okay, the lineup was. Um, I think I, think I, I thought Ndidi was... Okay, I thought KDH had one of his better games recently. He was busy. Um, he was doing things. He was breaking up, breaking up the play. He was pushing forward. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, I think it was one of the better performances I've seen in, um, recently. And it was just a shame, as we'll talk into, that I, I think we just couldn't capitalize on that possession and momentum that we had for that that 20 minute period and i think that's kind of one of those antithesis of the season has been not that ability to take advantage of those situations and i felt that was one of those things that we saw on saturday 
It was kind of a contrast, too, because it, we've spoken about this before. And Thomas Frank, for and by the way, I've decided Thomas Frank is like when you watch a rom-com, he is like the bad boyfriend for like, you know, the good the guy that is the friend that becomes the boyfriend. Thomas Frank just looks like the bad boyfriend that's like cheating on her and he's not supportive. He just, the long hair and stuff, he just is like a Hugh Grant kind of character. Um, in, in, I don't know. I just, he's not my favorite. Oh, Matt, guy. you've just caused blasphemy around the UK. Say Hugh Grant <laughs> is the bad, is the bad guy. He's always the, the, the sweet one, right? He's the hopeless one. Am I wrong? What's, what's that? Uh, what's the Christmas movie? My wife loves it. Um, Love actually. Love actually isn't he not the bad guy in that, or is he the good? No, guy? he's the prime minister, and he's like an absolute. Oh, that's guy. right, that's right. All right, he's well, then he, he, he's the bad ignoring boyfriend. That's what I. My apologies for uh, <laughs> to you and <laughs> starting the UK cut, war. Cut this, cut this bit. Cut this bit. Yeah, cut this bit. <laughs> cut, cut this bit. Uh, but anyway, they. What I noticed is those they did exactly what we called for Lester to get back to doing. Play straightforward football. Stop us if you can. And it, it, it just looked to me like they were doing the things over and over again. And their first goal was it was a perfect. It was just shoot. Just shoot the fucking ball. Um, they're just shooting it. It gets on their foot and they're shooting it. And, and it gets a deflection and bounces in. So I, I would have liked to see a lot more of that football, that straightforward stuff that they do, Jim. Um Kind of your thoughts, I guess, when we started out and, and you saw the lineup and, and what, what you thought the day was going to go. Oh, well, I think like lineup wise, I think the boys covered it. And I, yeah, I think it was probably the right call to go back to a back four um, to give. We know their full backs attack. And I think that was part of the um, tactic from Rogers to, you know, a have our wingers push pin them back if you know it didn't quite work in the in the first half um as much um b i think like ndidi back and i think he had a very good game he was defensively back to where we like not quite at his peak but he was cleaning up a lot he was pressing a lot more as well stepping in a couple of times you know we know what we get with ndidi he, he, he there's an easy pass that he could make it's progressive and he doesn't do it, but I think he did his job. And I think that freed us up to go back to a sort of four, three, three type type formation, or maybe more sort of similar to the, the four, one, four, one that we've seen before. I think it was quite fluid in that, in that midfield. Uh, but Matt, to your point, I think it was the exact same start as the Southampton game straight off the kickoff, you know, crap. We you know give a corner away in the Southampton game. Harry Suter comes through the back of, um, I can't remember who it was, but it gives a free kick at the edge of the box. We like have this again, like this absolutely awful, you know, defending of the free kick. Wilf tries to clear it and just kicks it off for a needless corner. Actually, you know, so, you know, I, I was a bit like, oh God, what we get, what, you know, oh boy, again, is like my, my initial thought. And they're sort of pressuring us, you know, Matt, as you said, basics football, a long throw in that just kind of causes some disruption in the box and they clearly are sort of targeting pressing us early getting in our faces and you we know that brentford are going to do that that's what they've made their their eighth position on in the table hard working highly organized highly aggressive in the press and, and and defensively and then you know playing some sort of nice football through the you know with with some pace on the wings with embuemo and um you know, certainly Rico Henry, who I think was on our radar at some point when he was at Walsall too, um, coming through. So 
I think though we kind of held on. We know we 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 got a bombardment for the first bit, and I think it wasn't until like the first like ten minutes that we even did anything, and it was like just a kind of through ball to to Matters from Matters to Daka, and he sort of treads on the ball, and then it sort of breaks down a bit. And I think that, you know Chris's point, the lads on low on confidence, but I think he was there for a reason, which was defend from the front, work hard, link the play, maybe hit them on a break a bit more. But I think the thing with Dakar is he works so hard for the team and he was like helping Tete out defending. He was helping out um, Madison as they played a 4-4-2 defensively. And he's shown a bit of class, but he's not good enough in in his link-up play. I think it could have been the game, like playing Acho again, like actually some of the stuff we wanted him to do is the passing and linking up. So I'll, I'll stop there because I think Jason's itching to... No, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, well, since well, now I have to say, <laughs> I, I would say when I looked at the lineup and I saw the way the side was set up, um, there were two things that I, you know, thought of right away. And one is uh, the names that aren't included in the squad list. Um, if you look at who we had on the bench, um, you won't notice two first-team defenders listed that are healthy. Uh, no Vestigard, no Soyuncu. So Rogers is clearly trying to making a statement there. And he's got, you know, Lewis Brunt on the bench, you know, a, a reserve player. And, uh, you know, we're at a pressure point in the season, and I think that's – you can really see that there, where um, – Rogers is having to kind of make some statements to the squad um, and also probably feeling a bit desperate himself. Um, whereas like if a guy doesn't want to be here anymore, he just cannot be involved or, or, or near the squad. And that's what we're seeing with Soyuncu. I think that's what we're seeing with Vestigard. Rogers himself went out before that, you know, this week and said that Vestigard will not be training with the, the first team anymore after his comments. So, um, we're seeing the pressure, I think, everywhere um, on the squad. And that's one of my concerns for the rest of the season. Um, and you look at a side like QPR that have a lot of players that will be gone next year. Um, you, it makes you really wonder if the side has it in them to, you know, see a relegation fight through um, when a lot of these guys are probably thinking about their next club next season and don't really are going to face the consequences of this year. The other thing um, I, you know, was hoping for, I think, um, when I saw the the lineup and, um, and see Didi starting and see us playing that, like, more traditional uh, 4-1-4-1 or the 4-3-3, you know, however you want to kind of, like, uh, move them around, um, is that I thought that this game was going to be a bit different. We, we uh, and especially with Daka starting, starting up top, um, we seem to give up uh, fast break opportunities um, for fun. Like that's just that's what we do. If you want to talk about the identity of this squad, it's oh, giving up fast break chances. <laughs> and last week, I was like, why the hell can every other team in the league do this against us? But when do we ever do this against anyone else? And so I was thinking, all right, you know what? Rogers is saying, screw it. We can't seem to keep a clean sheet to save our lives. 
So we're just going to go for this. We're going to have Wilf patrolling, cleaning up the mess in the back so that our fullbacks can bomb up the pitch, so that our wingers can play high up the pitch. And so Daka is going to be right there on the defender's back shoulder any time the back that Bradford's back line thinks about moving up the field. We didn't really see that for a while. We saw Daka kind of coming back. I think some of that has to do with um, he's just not confident yet in a in a physical side of his play and not comfortable like being so close physically close to, to defenders and feeling like he's got to run and move uh, he does agree he's a great does a great job pressing but uh, so I what I think what I was expecting to see versus what we actually saw out of the game were were two different things and that's just based on on the lineup and the names that were listed and where they were listed um, on the pitch. Yeah, it does seems like he, for whatever, I don't know if it's just I, they need to just sit him down and be like, bro, we just want you to score. Because even the commentator at one point, like, Daka gets through, he's got one guy to beat, the guy's like kind of behind him, but instead of just turning on, you know, the afterburners and just trying to beat the man, he stops the play and slows up the play. And even the commentator was like, why didn't he just have a shot at it? I mean, early on, let's get some balls on net. And I'm just like, and you know, we've, we've spoke a little bit about the commentator and how much we like him, Jim, but uh, I, you know, I thought that was a, a good point that he actually did make for once. Um, I, there's just like this, hesitation in him where i don't know if he does if he just doesn't want to get like a selfish label or whatever but it's like dude you're you're a one-up top striker you're on your own you got don't worry about being selfish jamie vardy yeah you have literally the epitome of what this position is supposed to be like on the bench take in what he tells you and just be a selfish asshole no one's gonna call you that if you're putting goals in yeah, Pat Zadaka seems like one of the world's nicest men. That's what I mean. So, yeah. like, he's like seems like such a good, genuine dude. So it's like, all right, you know, it's okay, man. You can be selfish every now and then. Like, everyone's still gonna love you as a person. Yeah, yeah. It, it, he just, it's like he doesn't want to have the awkwardness of of somebody, you know, doing the classic hands down. Why didn't you pass the ball to me? But it's like, but if it's in the back of the net, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, Chris, is that kind of where you are on on Patson? Just just do. Just let it rip, kid. I I mean, he's young and he's what? He's been doing this for 18 months, two years now, well, almost two seasons in the Premier League. We're going to have to give him a bit of time. But I think ultimately, yeah, he can have individual confidence, but he's got to have the confidence in the other 10 men to pull him in that position. And I think at this moment in time, he doesn't yeah. have that. It's the reason why he's dropping back to defend to cover Tete, as Jim pointed out, and things like that, is because he probably just doesn't have that confidence in the other in other lads being able to feed him the way he needs to be fed. I mean, we've talked on his podcast. Feed Darko and he's going to get your goals. We saw that Spartak Moscow away. He scored a boatload. He had four mm-hmm. fights. He's got the potential. And I think this summer will... And I know, jumping ahead, but this summer will be crucial in his buying players that fit that mold to be able to do that. And I think ultimately, yeah. again, though, we just need to find that spark for these net remaining games. Someone up there who's going to get us four or five goals, because that I think is going to be the difference between us staying up and going down is the ability to find people. Barnes is going to get you three or four between now and the end of the season. You're probably going to get a contribution from KDH and another, another midfielder. 
But we've got to find that person up top that can get us four or five goals, can sneak that 4-3 win at this moment in time or whatever it's going to be because we can't defend for the life of us. But we need someone up there to score goals. And it's going to be tough. And I expect Rodgers, I don't see him settling on a striker. I think he'll play it rotationally until he can find, find somebody that works and then plays them two or three games. And when they don't score, he'll try something else. I think that's got to the point in this season now where we're desperate. And I think he's just going to roll the dice every single time and just yeah. see what sticks. I'm looking for that late season Leonardo Yejoa run. Uh, Jim, you, you kind of feel the same thing on, on Pat's in there? Yeah, Chris is spot on. Like he he can't stay on the last on the last defender. Otherwise, we just don't have any de- like defense from the front. And he doesn't know when he's going to get the ball. I think the bits where he did, he kind of went closer to either Barnes or Tete trying to work some angles, but also more Tete to help him defend because Tete was not really defending again. I think we saw this sort of jogging around, and I was actually watching Daka run past Tete to go chase back as Tete sort of stood stood there and sort of pretended he was jogging back, which we've seen before from him. Um, but if you don't think you're going to get the ball, then I don't know what you can do as a lone striker with, you know, afterburners who is instinctual. I think it was almost like when I, t- you know, when I mentioned earlier, when he trod on the ball, when it was that first one from Madison in what the sort of 10th, 12th minute, I think it was like surprised that he was like, oh boy, the ball's coming towards me. And he starts turning and he actually treads on it kind of half through when he, as he's turning, because he's not expecting it because it's not like in that we're going to try it. We're going to try it. We saw, I think we saw, I was sort of counting, not, not, you know, not, not like, like stats bomb or anything, but I think there was like three or four times we've tried to play a through ball. That was one. There was one that um, KDH hit to no one. I think there was another one that was like overplayed by Barnes to to Dakar in the first half as well. And then obviously the goal. So it kind of works. And I think to Jason's point that this is the sort of team you can play against because they are pushing up high. They're creating pockets of space, but we couldn't work it through them quite often. You know, if it was going to, you know, I think Harvey Barnes got a lot more. Um, he grew into the game. He got a lot more license and he did a lot more on the left than they were closing down Tete really fast. They they saw that he either does try and do too much with the ball and he's too slow or he's the opposite and he just tries to give it away immediately. There was like one time where he could have taken it down on his chest and just held it up and passed, laid it off and turned. And he just tried to flick it on over his head to no one. And I was like, what are you doing, dude? Um, but I think we've got like, you know, Dakar is kind of also creating sort of these half chances. So there was that through ball. There was the the header. He kind of got some momentum. There was the one where it was like looped in by Ricky P. And he, and like the defender did a, did a Leicester defender job. And he just kind of looped over the bar. So I think he kind of is sort of getting in that in that space. It's interest, interesting when we talk about, you know, actually – um how Rogers will give a run to people like the goalkeeper for 26 games but he'll give the strikers what three games and then it's time for a change again so it's kind of ridiculous from that standpoint does and you can tell he's his frustration too like there were a couple times he pulls the jersey over his head and he's just like so I do there is part of me that he knows the kind of player he is and I do feel like 
awesome. Once so he, I can I can speak, but I can't hear. <laughs> okay, he. Uh, I I do feel like once he gets those gets a few of them in there, I do. I part of me is at least hopeful, optimistic that the goal waterfall will uh, will you know open up for him, Chris, and and hopefully we'll have some uh, something to celebrate then. Um, so yeah, we 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 talked that Brentford scores around the 31st minute, uh, just like we said, doing exactly what we don't. They're just shooting, um, and it gets a deflection off of us and goes in over Everson's shoulder. So, just kind of one of those crappy things where we can't get the ball out, and and here we are struggling, and and it just gets on the wrong end. So I guess if you're going to get scored on, that <laughs> rather than just a complete breakdown by somebody. It, it, yeah. I'd like to see him get the ball out, but a deflection goal is your first one to give up as a premier league keeper. I was for Everson. I felt good on that. Um, anything else on that goal guys, before we move forward and it's to, uh, to ours, I think we pretty much covered it there as we're waiting for Jim to come back. Well, we just don't, we don't do clean sheets. So we just, you know, if it's anyone true. was under the delusion that we were going to keep one, I'm glad that, you know, we got that dose of reality early and you know just <laughs> players need to know like look we're gonna have to score yeah. a couple goals if we want couldn't couldn't have him getting a, a big head getting a clean sheet in his first start anyway so um let's move ahead then guys to our goal in the second half um we go into the half down one nothing uh, chris where we can talk was there anything at halftime that had you either very excited or very depressed i guess before we jump into the second half so I think we gradually got into the game, especially in that last 10 minutes. Um, I remember going into, I remember going into halftime thinking that the thing, the thing that shocked me the most was I know there's a, the parody between 12th and 20th is what three points at this moment in time. And there's that, there's the, the table suggests that there's a big points gap between that nine, eight, ninth, 12 positions, but I didn't think Brentford would, I thought Brentford were there for the taking. They didn't look, that first half performance, I didn't think that that was a team that was like, oh, they're up there, they're fighting for the European places. To me, I was like, shit, Leicester on a good day could have had these lads. Can We can have these guys. And it just got me even more frustrated about the bloody right. season, Matt, and like what could have been, I think. But ultimately, I thought going into the, going into the second half, we needed a big team talk from Rodgers, we needed him to be focused, make the adjustments that were required and come out with a bit of purpose in that second half. And I think we did that, mate. And so um, especially, uh, yeah, that, that first part of the second half, especially, I thought Rogers kind of instilled a little bit into the boys and I thought um, they, they played pretty well. They definitely came out well, and and it looked like possession was on their mind, and and definitely I don't know what he said if anything, but um, we we did look hungry at least I'll say coming out of that, and and you know I again we we've talked before on whether or not if it, even if Rogers doesn't have him, which for all accounts like say what you will, the fans being upset. It does seem to be a pretty unified front outside of Vestergaard and Soyuncu, of course, in that locker room as far as, you know, having Brendan's back. And, you know, Jason, you, you spoke about it last week. You, you said that exact thing. The guys do seem to be in Roger's corner here. So, you know, maybe he just came out and said kind of what you did, Chris, was these guys are not a sixth place team or whatever the fuck they are right now on the table. Like we can you are. This is a better 
quality side here. And, and when you look at our guys and just like the stuff that we were trying to do, it, it, it definitely does speak to a more advanced level of football rather than the route one stuff. But again, we could say that shit all day. And, and that's what Rogers has said all year is and it just, he's, if it's not working, it's not working and there's no point. So come out in that second half and, and to see a bit of life was good. Um, we do get a goal set up by KDH really makes that happen with, with some ticky taka moves, Jason, um, that, that, that was sweet. Um, kind of a different level to Katie. I think when we think KDH, you kind of think of like a nose down to the dirt grinder, but a nice little back heel there, man, to set that thing up. You speak on that goal a little bit. Yeah. Um, KDH looked like he's getting his kind of swagger back. It's amazing what happens when you actually play a player on his on the side that he's supposed to be playing on the right side. Yeah. Like right. play him on the left side. I just don't understand. Like I was going nuts the last couple of weeks. It's like, why the hell does it keep putting him on the right side? He's only setting him up for failure. Now you play KDH where he's comfortable. Look what he can do. Um, and I, I think KDH is a guy that um, he's felt the pressure. I think he knows he hasn't been up to the same standard that um, uh, he was last season and that things need to change. And, Look, we need uh, – it, it was a great goal. Uh, if I could just take – you know, since we brought up KDH, and I want to get back to the goal because it was a nice goal, and I'll let you guys talk about the rest of that. But this is crunch time, and KDH is definitely a guy that knows how much this matters. And um, KDH is going to be a player that will be with us next season probably, no matter what happens and how we finish up. The talk about beautiful football and advanced football and kind of that basic way that Brentford play, um, we're at a point now in this season where, um, yeah, like Brentford, they didn't look that special. I, I don't, I don't think they looked that great. Um, they did play a game midweek. We didn't, but still, um, you're professional athletes. You should be able to do that. It's not like they were traveling in around Europe and then coming to play us. But right now. <laughs> We need to be about what is the most effective way to collect points. We're running out of time to get points. We need points and not just point. We need points. And um, the the time for advanced football, the time for like beautiful football, the time for Brendan Rogers um, possession. And let's see how this all you know shakes out is, is over. We need to win the battles, keep the other team out of the net, create more quality chances than the other team. That is Brentford. It's a little soulless. I always say it's like they play um, Excel sheet football, like Excel workbook football, right? And, and it's just soulless, but it's like that's what they have to do. They have to money ball the hell out of the um, out of the, out of the game and. Everything is just just game theory and money ball and just like what's going to – because they just don't have the money. They're not going to compete on that. So they need to be as effective as possible. It's kind of what Nigel Pearson did with us too in a way, kind of led that that change into like advanced – into statistics and how to play efficient football, how to create more quality chances to the other team. We're not doing that right now. Um, and I don't uh, – I don't know that we have a lot of players that that are um, 
willing to get dirty and roll up their sleeves. KDH, though, I think is one of those players. And I think this sort of period of crunch time might bring out the best in him. And I think he's going to be one of the players that we're going to count on. He was definitely one of the players that we counted on this weekend. Um, he, he looked better than he has for a very, very long time. And that was really encouraging to me. Just want, I'm just, I'm just afraid that we only have one of those guys. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be, he's a, he's a hell of a player on his day. And, um, and he made that goal happen. He did. And he's not a player that, you know, we spoke about maybe this mercenary mindset that could be infecting the locker room. Say what you fucking want. KDH ain't got that. That's this is a local boy came up. He knows what this fucking club means to Lester. He knows what this club means. And I think maybe he's a player that we see now that knows where and recognizes where we are in the table and uses that as a motivation to really take his game to um, a level that we needed to be at and a little level that maybe he doesn't even know he's capable of because he's playing, you know, for something so close to his heart and not just a paycheck. Um, Chris, uh, you want to, you want to speak on the man a little bit more? I'll just echo Jason's points. I think, I think we do have people in the locker room that give a shit. Um, I, I think, <laughs> I think Matters, I think Barnes, I think Christiansen has shown, at least in the first few games, a little bit of something that can get us over the finish line. And I think between, if we can get those four on the field caring, then hopefully that's enough to take us over the line. Look, reality is we need 36 points. We've got 25. We've got to find 11 from somewhere to Jason's point. I, I, I think... I think 40 is a myth. I think 36 will keep us up, maybe even lower this year because of the, the differences in and how close it is. But to Jason's point, we've got to find multiple points in these games. Getting a point here and there is not going to be enough to keep us up. Yeah, and part of me thinks, too, the parity of the table. Like you spoke about, the what is it, 12th through 20th? It's it's three points or whatever. Maybe that's where Brendan has got this false sense of security where he just is looking at the table and he's like, it could be anybody through here, Whether it, rather than if it was a little bit more fractured and there was a, a, a big chunk. I don't, I don't oh, know. We picked I'm up a point and we fell further down the table. Yeah, that's a perfect that's a perfect point. Not but, to, um, uh, but it was it was a great goal, and it was a classic James Madison Harvey Barnes. It was a classic Leicester goal, and that was encouraging to see. We need a little bit more of that. That's our identity. That kind of fast break style, and just think about you know the last time we were in a position like this in the Great Escape. Think about those Vardy goals that were scored during that time, and like right. getting past breaking through. The, the the last of the line of defense and, and getting in on, on goal. And um, let me tell you, there's, there's nothing that um, I think gets our fans going more than seeing a goal like that. And we need to figure out how we can get more of that. Definitely. I think, you know, after KDH makes that move, a little pullback move, yeah. sends it over to matters who then just laces a straight line through to Harvey and, as we've said 150 times on this podcast, Harvey is at his best when it's instinctual. 
he was at a point so close to all he could do was pretty much shoot and he finds the back of the net chris um we uh so a perfect perfect way but if he doesn't have to think about it I'll no, I, I, Ward. Know, I know you and harvey barnes's finishing is a contentious issue on this podcast but give the guy some credit it's a pretty good finish it, i mean he 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 kind of stabs his foot into the ground to deliberately give it a little bit of a chip i mean it was a pretty great finish, Matt. I know, I, know, finish. I know you get frustrated when he's finishing, but... There's one thing that the Barnacle does, and even when he's not playing, he gets goals. He makes goals happen, and he does it better than most wingers in England. So uh, it was a hell of a finish by... Yeah, Brock. I guess my, my point being, and again, we've covered it on this podcast, it does seem like those finishes for him are just second nature versus when he's standing, you know, with multiple seconds to kind of line up a shot and then he puts it square into the chest. That's that's my okay. that's more you'll, my point. You'll never you'll never forgive him for that Liverpool away miss, will you mate? Nope, I will not. I will not. <laughs> but thank you for bringing that back up. Jim, uh now that you've got your uh your gamer headphones there in and working, anything that you want to touch on on that goal or uh the emergence of uh Super Harvey? Yeah, where was I when I lost my sound? So let's go back to the 20th minute of the, of the game so I can recap everything. No, I'm kidding. No, I was listening along to you guys nicely, so thanks for bearing with me. And like a true pro, I have backup headphones that were then plugged into the wrong outlet and I couldn't even Always. figure out how to do it. Um, so, yeah, I think exactly right. The, the, that's the Harvey Barnes goal that is don't think about it, just, just do it. And... Actually, I think it showed, like, I was really impressed with the finish because he did have, it's like one you don't have if you don't have much confidence. And and, and something I've no, noticed throughout this game, he grew in confidence, he grew in confidence, he tried more errant passes in the first half, you know, but he was still running and he was still trying to do something. And it, it paid off because he was consistently in the game. His fellow winger needs to watch him a little bit more and get more and get involved in, in, the, in the match as well. Um, I think you guys gave a huge shout out to KDH like for that goal. That was, you know, the fact that he could have, you know, gone down, he did a little KDH turn that we know he likes to do. Um, and then played a nice ball across to Madison. And to the people that care, Madison started getting a bit like prima donna in the first half. I felt, you know, soft booking, um, pulled out of a tackle because he um didn't want to get another yellow because he gave away that stupid yellow, which kind of ultimately led to their goal in the way, you know, not, not directly, but indirectly, but his head was gone. I don't know if you guys talked about it because that's where my sound was gone, but his head was gone for their goal because everyone else played offside. He didn't, he just sort of ambled out, played the ball onside and he was the Gary Neville of, you know, classic Gary Neville pointing at everyone saying they're offside, they're offside, hand up in the air. And he was the one causing the, the, the failed trap. And I think that was, great that Harry Suter was playing that line and actually, you know, Dan Amati played it to perfection and then turns around, sees Madison playing three people on side. Um, so I think that was, that was nice. And that was pretty much like all that happened in the second half really, wasn't it? You know, we kind of yeah. played a bit of tidy football. We, you know, for those of us in the U S who, if you watch the extended highlights on for NBC, the extended highlights were Leicester score a goal, 80th minute random cross final whistle literally in the space of like 90 seconds covered the span of the second half um i think this, i don't know if you guys talked about the subs yeah we haven't gone to the rant no, about no, we should <laughs> what the hell we can't take it off <laughs> go for it but um 
I think again, it's like what what's happened with the subs. You know, Samare coming on, Vardy didn't make sense to me. I think the one that did make sense was maybe Pratt because, but it was it was weird timing because Tete finally started doing something, and Pratt kind of gave us some more solidity. And I think to Jason's point, it was like we're trying not to lose rather than trying to win because we see leads and we see other people winning at the weekend. And, and and really working hard and I think Pratt had an okay game but I I don't know if it was the right sub at the right time for that uh, you know I think it was the game was made for Iheanacho to come on if Daka's going off because he would have linked the play he would have snuck in behind um and I don't like Samari the you know the less said the better about that guy he's this type of player I want to love like he has has everything, but he played one decent pass, but then fouled them. Did just foul them because he's too slow and his head's not in the game. And it's just it's just kind of shocking, really, of of, of the decision making of Rogers on that side of it. And especially as we started looking like a team where we could get something out of the game. I did. I did want to say too, just real quick, Jason. I'll give it back to you. I did want to say before we move on too much. If you if you watch that goal that Harvey scored, the first person that he runs over to on the sidelines is Nacho. And go ahead and pull up the highlights, guys, and watch that. And look at Harvey's face when he hugs Nacho. It just is like this relief almost. Like the guy's eyes are closed for a good three or four seconds while he's hugging Nacho. So, I mean, meant meant a hell hell of a lot. So more to your point, Chris, too, about guys, multiple guys in the locker room that give a oh, shit. Oh, so. I have sorry, one final point before Jason rants about the subs. But um you, KDH, I think something that happened in the game that made him play so well was having wealth. I think it allowed him to be that more box to box midfielder. He could be a lot more attacking, you know. I know Chris, you love the like average positions, but he was pretty I think he was at least the same, if not a little higher than Madison, even and, and on his final position. So, I, I think having that KDA all action KDH is with with Wilf anchoring him is great. You know, so hopefully he and you know he and Harvey are on like the uptick. You know, they're on the they're on the forecast by their shares. Um, let's go long on them on that. And so. There you go. And then we can get back onto the, the real topic, which is Roger's subs. Well, when, when Harvey went and hugged Iheanacho, it made me hopeful that Iheanacho would come on pitch a little sooner and we would really go for the kill. So Bradford were there for the taking, as Chris said. And the momentum had changed and, and come our way. Rogers always has to make his subs around the 65th minute. Just what he does. It's automatic. And he puts on Vardy um, and he um, puts on Dennis Pratt. And um, doesn't really change the setup, right? And keeps Pratt out as a right winger. And that's just not what he is. Okay. We've got to get that's That's done. That's over. That's it's not his over. position. It just doesn't doesn't do anything for us. It doesn't give us a goal. And when was the last time that he put Vardy on as a sub in the right way and set us up and, and we got something out of that? Just has not happened this year. So I just don't know what he's doing if he just feels like he has to make these subs and he just makes them. 
but there's almost like no i just don't understand why some players are, are getting in and some players aren't and why we just keep doing making he just keeps making the same mistakes with his subs over and over and there was a chance look we'll take the point but there was a chance to get three and they did completely blew it um it just I just I, I I don't get it. I don't understand. Like this is a team that played midweek. We need points. They're not threatening us. Go for the game. Try to get, get take these points because we're running out of opportunity to get three points. And then Sumari comes on. Like what five minutes? I don't know. Eight, eight minutes later, or over Mendy. Now Mendy had been playing his best, the best football he's ever played for us over the last few weeks. Everyone knows that I'm like, Mendy frustrates me, man. Like he, he yeah. does. I just don't think he's positive enough. I, he's another one of those guys. I want to like him. I just like the, the character of Pappy Mendy. Uh, there's something, you know, just endearing about the guy. It's like Lux and Bogues kind he, of thing. He, Undersized, a lot of heart. Yeah, yeah, but my... I don't know. We can debate the the, the heart aspect because I think he he hides a lot during games, but the last you know month or so of his performances, he's been he he has been our best player. Once Ianacho cooled off a bit, Pappy Mendy was the best player we were putting out on, on the field, and I got to give credit where it's due. He was doing a lot. He was tidy with the ball. He was covering more ground than he's ever covered. He was making tackles. He was stepping up. He was being that dynamic player that we've been needing for a long time. And now he can't get on the – it's like Chris. Rodgers will give Danny Ward the whole season to make all these makes. And then you know, Mendy gets, what, four games? Or three, four games? He's actually playing well. And then now he's like persona non grata. And – this is again, I think, uh, and I'm worried that this is the situation that we've got here. And this is speculation again, but look at the names that were not listed on the team sheet, and now look at a player like Sumare coming on instead of Amendi, whose contract is. Expired. And so, is the thought that Mendy's not going to be here, so we just can't play him right now? But I'm sorry, like. Sumari has been atrocious, at like uh, absolutely atrocious since the World Cup break. He hasn't had a good appearance since then, and we just cannot take this chance anymore and, and keep putting him out here in, in these high-stakes situations. Every game is a high-stakes game right now. Don't know why he continues to, to go out there and play. And, you know, I talked about wanting to see – Nacho earlier. Well, he finally comes on what the 90th minute. Chris, you talked about like we need that striker that's going to get us those goals. That's going to get us the four or five goals during crunch time. Well, there's one guy who's done that already for us when we really needed him to step yeah. up. Yeah, he's done it before for for, for Lester. When he gets hot, he gets hot. He makes yeah. goals happen. I guess um, I don't know what he didn't score one game against Chelsea, so now we're not going to play him. Now now he doesn't see the pitch. Like what what are we what what are we doing? What is going on here? Like why the we we don't have the options to, to play the way that Brendan wants to play anymore, right? We don't have an extra winger to throw on when we start in a four three three. 
I guess, you know, we need to play this beautiful football. We need to play this advanced football. We're, we're, we're too above playing this direct, effective Brentford approach. I guess we're too, we're, we're above having a Mark Albrighton on the team. We're above having an Iose Perez on the team that actually can do a little bit of that on the right wing. Um, and we're, I guess we're above having a Hamza Chowdhury on the team or just guys that are just going to do dirty work out there. I'm sorry. We're not above very, we're not above anything right now. Okay. We're above three sides. And some of it has to do with goal difference right now. There's no, we are not above anything. We are in a relegation fight. We are getting closer and closer and closer to the bottom. There will be nothing above us except the championship, which is where we're heading. So we're not above playing that way. We're not above these types of players. We need this insistence on, um, I, I don't know, like um, getting just needing to do something the pretty way or needing to be like even more just like outsmarting the other manager and doing all that stuff. It's I'm sorry, it's too late for this. It's just it's too late. We can't keep pissing away points because we're too good for something because we're not that sorry. Well, good enough to get to, to beat Southampton the two times we played them. So, mm. just, uh, well, also Jason, look at what when Ianacho came on in the 90th minute. It was for Madison. Pratt went and played in the middle, and Ianacho played right midfield. So he's not even bringing him on to be dangerous to, as an instinctive striker. He's putting him on because he's like this inverted winger because it keeps his formation and his shape not not kind of contributing to the game yeah. whatsoever. So it's like doubly insane. I'm sorry for the long rant, everyone, but I just like, I don't know what the plan is. Like what, what, what's the plan here? Like what, what is he trying to accomplish? I would, I would love for like someone to ask Rogers, like what, what did you think was going to happen when you made those subs? Like, just we'd like to. I just like to know what he thought. If he, if he, some, if he thought that it was going to turn out any different than it did, because we've all seen it. How many times have we seen it this season? It's like why sap that hope from us? We had gotten back in the game. We we had Brentford kind of where we wanted. They were tiring. They played midweek. Why do you keep doing that to us, man? Why do you keep freaking just taking it was the whole We've got an international break next week. The lads have got two weeks to well, most of the lads have got two Play weeks him. to recover. Run him into the ground for 90 minutes. Sneak the winner exactly to your point. Scared managers make bad decisions. So he's scared at this moment in time, in my opinion. And all he's doing is he's just trying to do the same thing again and again and again with the hope it's gonna work. You were bang on. Why the hell did we let Perez go if all we're going to do is make the same change every single time? We take a right winger, send him out to Spain, and get a guy that should play centrally and stick him out there. Oh, uh, yeah. Give me give me Jose Perez on the right wing over Dennis Pratt any day of the week in that position. Yes. Mm -hmm. Give uh, me Mark Albrighton over him in that position any yeah. day of the week. So, I guess... If I try and imagine I'm Brad Rogers for a second, hang on. Oh, okay. I'm amazing. Uh, I, I think the only thing I can think of is why bring on Samari for Mendy, apart from Mendy won't sign a new contract and I have to ostracize any single player who slightly shows that they're not on team Brendan. Um, is in theory, 
not in actuality. Samari is a more progressive ball player than Wilf. He, it, in theory, he is also a central defensive midfielder. So if we are kind of on the ascendancy, is the theory that he can play the ball forward a bit better and we could get a chance. However, we have just put Dennis Pratt on also. As a, well, Dennis Pratt is already on as a right midfielder. So we've taken off our attacking uh, winger, attacking winger in, in quote marks. We've taken off a player who is, who's been kind of creating channels and chances in Pat Sadaka. We put on Jamie Vardy, who's just running around like the playground bully, I think at the moment and, and not, not really contributing much to the game. So that's my only thing I can think of. And I'm not defending Rogers in any way. I'm just trying to sort of imagine why he might think that, but I probably think the reality is he hasn't signed a contract, you know, in Papi Mendy and that's it. Well, listen, you know, Professor Rogers, you can do that and talk about theory and talk about what's going on in the classroom. Uh, but yeah, right okay. now, I agree. I agree. We need a, we need that blue collar. We don't need the college boy right now. We need the, um, the blue collar worker. Um, and you know what? It, it, Rogers wants to get, t I mean, obviously this is speculation, but if he wants to get tough with the guys that aren't going to be around anymore, then you know what? Put your money where your mouth is. When Yuri Tillemans comes back from injury, because you've done nothing but but kiss his butt for two years now, um, he probably maybe seems like he's been doing more than just kissing his butt, but to 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 get this guy to to, to stay, and you know, enough's enough with this. I get it, but like, yeah. he's trying to prove too many points right now. What we need to do is not prove points; we need to earn points. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And man, that's so true. When Yuri comes back, that would be the ultimate way to say like, dude, you can't have it both ways here because Yuri's a guy that we've been trying to get re-signed even longer. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. But, so, uh, so the I'm good looking news, forward to the international break. Good news on injuries is Ryan Bertrand is, should be back on the 1st of April. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Well, it was, it was National Pie Day last week, so we may have to kind of wait up on that one to see the <laughs> you know where he consequences was. of that. No. Oh. Oh. I was say to Jason to echo Jason's point. Whenever I think of, call me naive, but watching football for all my life, whenever I see a manager make a multiple substitution change, I'm always cognizant that that's going to come with either a change in shape or something else. Whenever Rogers seems to make these two or three person changes, every single one just seems to be reflective of an individual decision without any thought about how that's going to affect the overall synergy of the team. To yeah. Jim's point earlier, you put in Sumarion who may play the ball quicker and get it forward quicker. But then at the same time, you're taking off our fastest player who we bought to play on the last shoulder of a defender to play him through and put on, no offense to Vardy, an older guy now that just doesn't have that speed anymore. And there was a couple of times, especially when Vardy was on, that they tried to play the long ball and Vardy just looked at it and went, I'm not going to get that. So I'm just <laughs> going to kind of stand there. Like it, It's just those individual decisions without the idea, I think, of that synergy of how it's going to reflect the own team that just baffles you as a Leicester player. I mean, 
just baffles me every time he makes a sub. We Earlier this season, it was he didn't make a sub because of time. Now he seems to make a sub every single time at the 65th minute without any thoughts behind who it's going to be. Yeah, that's... I mean, I just feel like we repeat the same shit every week on this podcast. So God bless for you guys for listening every weekend and week out. But it's just to the point now where it's so frustrating. And I almost lean back on it's an arrogance thing. Like he knows so much more than any of us can even comprehend that he can continue to press these buttons and yeah, and, and just be, prove his, his smartness to us. And in the meantime, we're just sinking lower and lower and lower mm-hmm. on the table. So it's just like there's two very different things, buttonheads here, and he he's either going to have to get on board or he's going to burn the fucking house down around us. And right now it sure seems like that's what he's going to do if it's between – you know, him looking bad and or him, God forbid, playing straightforward football that other people could figure out instead of his master class football. And it's it is uh, certainly a way to run a club. Um, but then we we look ahead to next week and we see a club that we're, we're tired of being run. They were there. Crystal Palace lets Vieira go. And, and I mean, how much how many how much further up are they than, than us in the table right now? Four or five spots. Um, I don't want to give them too much credit. Paris has no idea what he's doing with that. There's no plan there. They just named Hodgson. He did that the last time they had to change managers. Yeah. This guy, like, but the one thing I will give him credit for is that he knows that they are very far from safe, safety. That they're they're in trouble too. They're a sinking ship. They needed some kind of a change. He's getting a little desperate. I would hope that we had some kind of backup plan in place. But the longer this goes on, the more I think maybe we're in the same boat as as Crystal Palace. Because there wasn't a lot of thought about the transfer strategy that, we, that we've had and what we've actually um, put out there um, for the last few windows. Um, but... <sighs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the signal to Palace's side that look, the, um, the this isn't a fire drill. The house right. is burning. Right. All right. We need to, you know, we need to do something ha- now. We need to say, you know, we need to save our lives. And um, but I don't know. It seems like around Leicester City Football Club, um, everyone just thinks um, it'll all be fine. And you know, to stay on the fire. Um, analogy you know jim talked about that cartoon of the dog with the house burning down just saying it's fine but each week it yeah. seems like that should be uh filbert fox in that cartoon and not another <laughs> yeah. yeah instead or or the the dog needs to have an all black suit with a silver fox lapel and he needs to be just quite and, and a gucci and, belt and but a gucci i don't think belt. that's just the manager though i think you know there are people above the manager making decisions here and yeah. seem to also think like Everything's going to be fine. All of the players seem to think everything's going to be fine. Look, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think we still move the ball too slow. We've talked about this for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks on, on this pod this season. Everybody talks about how the hell did we get to fifth in the league? Let He needs to go and watch some of his own videos on some of that because how we move the ball up the field quickly is what we need to start doing i think if we if we stay up i think it's going to be because of individual players 
getting us out of trouble. Like a Madison doing something out, you know, with a low XG, like Yuri Tillerman scoring a low XG goal. If he ever comes back, Harvey Barnes. I don't see us, you know, playing as a team and really being, you know, amazing. Like Ricky P coming back, he was, I think he was very, very good as well on um, on Saturday. The number of times he like sprinted 30, 40, 50 yards to track their left midfielder or their, or Rico Henry is overlapping was phenomenal. Like I, I, the, the one bit that terrified me that I want to mention about that was off a, off a kickoff uh, from their goal, we decided to lump it upfield and then it's sort of almost like watching Aussie rules football for, you know, for those that know it, especially our friend, Jason, Jason's brother, Jordan, who loves his Aussie rules. He flipped in the air and he flipped on his back. And I was like, Oh no, that's it. There was some chat on the predictions. Wasn't there that, that Ricky P was going to get injured. Madison was going to get sent off and Ricky P was going to get injured. I think that was Paul who was talking about that. Who's, who's been on the pod before too. So if he stays fit, I think if we get Christensen back, I, kind of feel like if Evans gets fit, it's Suter and Evans. Otherwise, I think it's almost Suter and Amati for the centre-back pairing. If Evans gets fit. <laughs> Try to, yeah. Yeah. Imagine. Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm feeling <laughs> But what was that? What was that? You know, if my, my aunt had wheels, she would be a bike. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think there's a more adult version of that. But, um, <laughs> so I think that's they're the, they're the bits that I see around, you know, if Wilf can stay fit, if Ricky P stays fit, like there's a lot of ifs I'm saying right now, as you can probably right. all hear. Yeah. And Brendan, just pick a freaking center forward and stick with them now for five games, yeah. please. And I think it's got to be Cal's senior man. One hundred reach. Dak is the bench. Jim. Yeah. Pastor Dak Jim. Is, thank you. With a word. Sign me up top. I'm ready, coach. 100%, man. I think it's got to happen, and I think it's it's so clear to everybody. And then the fact that you didn't get any time on the weekend, it's just – there's so many things here, guys, whether it's – I mean, the, you pick where you want to fucking be sad about on this team right now, and there's just too many places. So, I mean, whether it's, you know, watching your the Michael Jordan of your team and slowly just – Whatever is happening to Jamie, just this descent into obscurity. I mean, the guy has got about his chance right now is Rochester, New York, succeeding. Um, oh. it's, it's, it's just so, that one was below the belt. Man. Sorry, sorry, but it's it's just uh, it's it's become so sad to watch, and it's it. Like I said, wherever you look around the the pitch, and it, it starts with Brendan, and the rot just goes from there. So I, I, it, when, and now we get to play Roy Hodgson on on the with the new manager bounce coming into to Palace, where you know a zero zero draw. We played him in October at the Fan Fest. I I don't know. Are you guys any more confident this many months later that we are going to score against them? I it's, I'm not, Chris. I don't know, but all I know is that uh, we have an international break before then, and I will be savoring every minute of the break. And um, just, uh, I guess, I'm curious as to you know how you guys are planning to spend it too, because I think that would be um, the most positive thing that we that we talk about this. Week. 
Well, I'll start. I am going to the inaugural first season of the San Diego Wave, the women's national women's soccer team. I have season tickets this year, me and the missus do, and we are going to the first game next Saturday against the Chicago Red Stars at their brand new stadium down in San Diego. So I, for one, can't wait. I think it's been great watching women's football grow in the UK with the Leicester ladies and to be able to be part of summer in San Diego now as they've, uh, it kind of helps as well that they have some of the best players from the women's national team uh, as part of their team. But at the same time, super excited to go watch uh, the ladies of San Diego play their first, uh, well, I should say their first game of their second season. They played last year. Yeah. It was kind of a who's who in terms of which stadiums they were in and things like that. So, their kind of first season at their brand new stadium. So I, for one, can't wait to get some, uh, to watch some women's football this weekend. Definitely. And the boys are playing. Uh, the season started for our San Diego Loyal. Uh, shout out to those guys. And thanks, guys, for the for putting up. We, we had a matinee afternoon match yesterday for the Loyal for their second match of the season. They won 3 nothing, 2 and 0 start for the Loyal. So things are great down here in San Diego. So, yeah, I'll be focusing on that, Jason. What about you? Um, I will be watching... Um... Our girls on, on Sunday morning, every game is a, is pretty much a cup final for them to uh, see out the season. They're uh, a point away from safety and still at the bottom of the table. So everyone matters. So if I do watch any football um, this weekend, it will be Leicester City women on Saturday, Sunday morning, uh, 9 o'clock Eastern time, and that'll be it. No, there, there, there won't be any, any football for me once the leagues are over. Um, looking forward to spending a weekend with some family getting out of new york city for a couple of days maybe playing a little bit of golf with uh with my youngest brother let's go shout out uh to big sexy ryan jim what about you buddy so not to brag but i'm taking an international break of my own and i'll be heading over to uh france and uh, holland for for a short break so we go we go next week and um Looking forward to a week and a half out of out of the country on on holiday, watching our friend Monica run the Paris Marathon. So um, that'll be amazing, and then just kind of going and seeing the sights, avoiding football as well. So you can all thank me when we beat Palace, when we beat Villa, and we beat Bournemouth, because the chances of me watching any of those games are slim to none. Um, and I'll be uh, the only one I'll probably be able to watch is Bournemouth on 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 recorded as live because I'll be flying during that game. Uh, but so I'll be taking a, a mini, a mini break. Looking forward to it. That's awesome, man. Well, safe travels to you and Dana. You guys, are, I'm sure you will just have a terrible time in uh, <laughs> old Perry. We just had a San Diego Fox. Uh, Mo, shout out to Mo, who's been a guest on the pod before. He just got oh, back Mo. from France and uh, brought me an incredible Grand Cru Classe bottle of wine. Mm. So shout out to uh, him and Sharisha for bringing me that back. So yeah, guys, have fun. That's amazing. And Thank you. As far, yeah, as far as, uh, as far as the foxes go, break out, yeah, get bring back some Naki vibes, will you? Just a little bit of that when you come back. More, um, yeah, more Naki than Samare vibes. Please, please. <laughs> Uh, guys, yeah, on that note, um, I, I think that pretty much sums it up. We had a great turnout this week, uh, though, for the San Diego Foxes to watch the Brentford match. Shout out to 10 of them. We had even uh, 
the a New Hampshire fox who was in town on vacation. Ben was here, and he made his way to the Bluefoot and, and hung out with us. So that was a lot of fun. Looks like we had some pretty good turnouts around the rest of the country too, guys. So um, just yeah. keep growing. I got to give a shout out to uh, the Mullings family in Rochester, New York, and we had them down in, in in New York City this weekend to watch with us. But they started Rochester Foxes uh, in upstate New York, and they've been getting awesome turnouts. Like I just oh, love man. it, and they're just the best people. You know, we go back some years with them. Um, we have uh, the 125th anniversary shirt signed by the side, which was. Um, uh, a gift from someone in the in the Mullings family as well, so they've done a lot for us as New York Fox, as the New York Foxes, New York City guys. Um, but I'm just loving that they and they've come down a bunch of times. They've been down to Fan Fest with us. Um, we love hosting them down here in New York, but um, it's just awesome to see that they've you know now started a, a Leicester group upstate, and they're getting just great turnouts and. Um, I promise them that we will make a road trip up there and get some of our New York guys up there to watch a game with them. It'll be a lot of fun. More fans than the Rhinos. <laughs> that is true. I, uh, I two references in one pod. Up there, we're, we're hoping, you know, Vardy might sign a short-term contract and play a few games for them. But um, alas, it seems like, um, I don't know, that may never happen. He's coming to the new San Diego MLS franchise next season. Sorry about it. Um, yeah, guys, on that note, uh, thank you for joining us on the U.S. Foxes podcast. I know we're at an hour and 15 minutes. And, you know, <laughs> times are tough. We've, we've said this how many times now, guys? But one thing, Lester will remain undefeated in the best support. We, it's the best group of fans anywhere as far as like the the community of people we're we're always there for each other it's just the fr the friendships that have been formed because of this club are undefeated and uh the best people and and we'll all be there with you um in good or bad like we said last week so thank you as always for joining us enjoy your break um two weeks hopefully the boys can get something figured out brendan finds a little bit of humility uh maybe in the bushes at seagrave and, and and we can make something of this uh season yet so on that note as always guys thanks for joining us on the u.s foxes podcast for chris jason and jim we love you and uh we'll see you next week cheers boys peace